Hello and welcome to episode 23 of Heart of the Bookkeeper, a podcast brought to you by the Institute of Certified Bookkeepers. Bookkeepers, helping bookkeepers, helping business. My name is Rob Marshall and today we will continue the fabulous journey we have been on in this podcast of capturing the story of yet another bookkeeper in Australia who has amazing lessons learned and pathways entered into to tell of. Today's guest is Hayley Calms of Nav Wealth Bookkeeping Resources based out of the northern beaches of Sydney in New South Wales. Hayley's story is a unique one in so many ways in her approach to becoming a bookkeeper, possibly much earlier than most of the guests that we have heard from previously on this podcast, and her unique and innovative ways have continued throughout her bookkeeping journey, as we will hear. We capture the personal and difficult challenges of COVID and balancing work and home life during that time, a time where Haley's knowledge of bookkeeping and her ability to raise revenues from that became absolutely critical to her family's very functioning. The managing of Haley's mental health during this time also has a light shone on it. Transitioning from a sole trader based at home to working as part of a growing medium-sized organisation is discussed and explored in this episode also. The importance and passion for the ocean, touch football and border collies are all discussed by myself and Hayley in this one, including one border collie that gets the favoured child seat at the table each day and another border collie that can round up sheep, or what she believes are sheep, purely using her paws, not her mouth. Well, you'll have to listen deep into this episode to understand what that all means. Hayley is simply a bookkeeper going places in our industry, and I recommend that you round up, not the sheep perhaps, but a good cup of tea or coffee instead, and sit back and listen to the wonderful bookkeeping journey, plus much more of Hayley Calms. Today's guest is a bookkeeper from Collaroy Beach in New South Wales. Now, I'm going to circle back in a moment to even seeing if I've got that name right, but our special guest on Heart of the Bookkeeper today is Hayley Calms. Great to have you joining us today on the podcast, Hayley. No worries. Happy to be here. So did I get it right? Collaroy Beach, is that how you say Col- it? Yeah, yep. Collaroy Beach, you did. And in, yep, New South Wales. So, so tell me a little bit about Col- or tell us a little bit about Collaroy Beach. Where, where is it? It's obviously yeah. in New South Wales, but whereabouts? New South Wales, yeah, it's on the northern beaches of New South Wales. So, more popular Manly Beach. Most people know Manly Beach, sort of um, just north of there, about twenty minutes. So I'm envisaging, you know, beautiful sunsets or no, you know, sunrises or, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, we're, we're, yeah. <laughs> There's the West Australian coming out of me. <laughs> yeah, no, we get the sunrises here, beautiful sunrises over the beach. Yeah, not too far away. And is that is that home? Is that what you call home these days? Is Collaroy Beach your home? Yeah, Colorado Beach is my home. I've grown up on the northern beaches. I haven't moved too far. I grew up about another half an hour north from here in Motorvale and have just slowly made my way down the northern beaches. I don't think I could live anywhere else. 
So it's a migration, basically. You, by, by the time you retire, you might be in Tasmania, do you think, or not that far down? No, no. <laughs> no I, I probably wouldn't go past Manly, actually, right. because like another 20 minutes away. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. So, Hayley, we, I'm really excited about having you on Heart of the Bookkeeper. Uh, you and I met briefly at our recent um, summit um, in Sydney and yeah. uh, our annual Bookkeeper's Summit and we got chatting and I went, yeah, we've got to capture this story. It's um, it's quite um, quite unique in some ways. And um, every guest I think I've ever had on the podcast kind of disputes that and says, oh, I don't know if my story is all that you know, unique, but we'll let the listeners judge that as we go through today. And um, yours is very much a, a story of of having to really fight hard to, to 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 succeed as a bookkeeper in some ways, and some of the challenges, especially you've had of recent times, as many that are listening in right now have had. I think they'll resonate with. So, but we won't get too far ahead of ourselves. We, I note that you, uh, you I reckon you're one of the younger ones in our um, bookkeeping cohort. You know, we, we keep calling it out. Us 50-something-year-olds are uh, the average in the bookkeeping game. You're not quite nowhere near that yet. Not quite there. Pretty close, but not quite there. So, yes, I think of myself as one of the younger bookkeepers coming through. Bringing the average <laughs> age down. We love that. Yeah. So, mum and dad, Neville and Pam, um, yeah. were they – inspirational in where you find yourself now? Were they in financial services or what What would, what, what yeah. did Neville and Pam do? Yeah, definitely. I've got my numbers from um, brain from them. My dad was an accountant, CPA and uh, CFO of a company, an international company, and my mum was always doing some sort of bookkeeping and admin. Um, they both still do, actually. They both still dabble a little bit. Wow. Work. Yeah, yeah. So is, is dad still in a, in a practice or is he sort of semi-retired these days? Oh, he's semi-retired. He sort of moved into more property development, so um, working on the admin side of that. So still working a lot with numbers and finance and things, yeah. So was it a case of of mum, you know, getting the green ledgers out in the in the day and saying, right, you know, this is a debit and this is a credit? Is that how it worked or was it just a, a gradual um, progression for you in bookkeeping? Just a gradual progression, I think. I think I was always good at maths at school, I guess, and um, always having parents in the industry as well. So you're always just around it. That's sort of, um, you're always seeing it in professions. I'd go and do some maybe work experience in the school holidays with dad at his office and um, with mum as well in her office. So I was sort of just always around that sort of industry and with maths, yeah. So you coming through and, and mum and dad having that influence, was it was it always a focus to become an accountant or a bookkeeper potentially or was there other dreams for Hayley Carms? No, there were other dreams. I actually did um, human movement studies when I first left high school and studied right. sports science and a bit of sports management. Um, I worked out at the um, Sydney International Tennis Centre as one of my first jobs and got to meet some pretty high-profile tennis players out there. So that was sort of my passion. I was going to move into the, the sports world, really. Um, but, yeah, it didn't, didn't end up happening. So come on, name drop. Who, who are some of the <laughs> tennis players that we might know that you uh, got to spend a bit I of time with? I might show my age here, but at the time it was, um, you know, Leighton Hewitt, Pat Rafter, the Pooh, the Bartholomew the Woodies. <laughs> I saw they were at um, a Davis Cup. They were playing when I was out there working. So, yeah, yeah, that was uh, pretty exciting. Back in an era when we were actually winning some tennis. So, exactly. uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when tennis was like, yeah, a, a sort of high profile in Australia. Yeah, definitely. I still go, you know, 
Pat Rafter, I, I still rate as one of the best, certainly in our time, you know, that serve and volley. Why don't they serve and volley anymore? But anyway, we won't get into that. You know, we Thank won't you. sort of, <laughs> I, I'm told that there's absolute reason for that. So we mm -hmm. won't get to, this is hard of the bookkeeper, not hard of the tennis player. So <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> it could be another podcast. <laughs> so you, you're, you're toting around with the tennis players and in human movement, what sort of deflected you from there to, to, to lead to where you are today? Well, working in, as you would know, working in sort of sports administration roles, there's not a lot of money within um, the associations. And, um, and so when you're when you're doing those type of roles, you're usually doing the whole thing, usually doing your admin, usually doing the bookkeeping and the finances. Um, and I was working with, actually at the tennis centre, there was an accountant there and he actually said, you have quite a knack for numbers. You can, you've actually got a talent there. You should consider going back and doing an accounting degree. Um, so I sort of dabbled in sports for a while and yeah, wasn't really getting anywhere. And I thought, yeah, makes sense. My, my dad's an accountant. I actually enjoy it. So yeah, I went back and I did a postgraduate diploma in accounting with the, yeah. And, and how did you find that? Was that challenging or was it rewarding? Did you suddenly go, Hey, I think I found, I have found my mojo here. Is that what, yeah. what happened? Yeah. Definitely, yeah, definitely found my mojo, found found my calling, as you could say. Yep. So, and it was great because I was um, studying, I was working as an account assistant, so it was all just sort of coming together. So I thought, yeah, this is sort of the path I want to take, definitely, yeah. So you've you've done your studies, you've you've got your um, uh, was it a diploma you did? Uh, sorry, uh, postgraduate diploma in accounting. Right. Yeah, yeah. In a, yep. yeah. Stepped out of there straight into an accounting um, practice, or was it a case of right? What do I do now? Stepped. Well, I didn't quite finish the degree, and I fell pregnant with my first child, actually. Gemma. Right. Um, so that sort of put a spanner in the works. I was going to go back and do a CA or CPA. Um, so I just continued working as an accounts assistant and finishing off my diploma um, and then sort of just dabbled, worked for a few builders and um, just a few small businesses and then sort of realised actually enjoy sort of the nitty-gritty working at that ground level with the business owners and at that bookkeeper level rather than that higher level of an accountant. Yeah, yeah. So that, yeah. that's probably what an interesting bit that I'd like to examine a bit more before we get too much further into where you've landed since. And like I said in the uh, preamble, a little bit of obviously challenges that came after that. But, um, you know, on reflection now, do you, do you think, well, maybe you could have recognised that bookkeeping was really more where you wanted to land and therefore doing that extra length of study was that... Do you regret that or do you, you're glad you did that or how do you feel about that? Yeah, no, I'm glad I did it because it just gives you that extra insight and experience. Yeah. Um, I think it, anything in that field, the bookkeeping and accounting field, I've got to work together and blend yes. together. So it helped me understand the accountant's point of view as well yes. as with the bookkeeping view. I think definitely doing that study. Hayley, we're already getting into the tough questions and I don't tend to go into this so early in the piece, but I think one of the things that sort of comes to mind with your situation and where you found yourself at that time is did you then, once you sort of made the decision, hey, I think I, I feel better or I fit better into the bookkeeping space, did you feel as though you'd actually gone backwards or was it a move of no, this is all part and parcel of what I was hoping to achieve and, and I'm, I'm really comfortable where I've landed. 
Yeah, I think the key word there is comfortable. I actually was comfortable and I was happy with what I was doing. Yeah. Um, and I think it actually gave me a an extra edge over just uh, other bookkeepers because yes. I could, could have that higher level of understanding. I could communicate with the accountant. I could communicate with the client. I was sort of became the middleman, I guess, a translator in between <laughs> both, <laughs> which we often have to be as bookkeepers. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I've said that for probably the majority of my career. I don't, you know, until probably, uh, well, no, I wouldn't say recent times, but uh, certainly in latter times, I use the word professional bookkeeper with my title a lot more than I used to. I quite often used to say to people, I feel like I'm just a translator. I'm just mm-hmm. that, you know, the uh, the accountant talks to the client, the client listens and nods and then rings me and goes, Rob, I have no idea what he or she just said. Can you explain it to me in a different language? So I hear what you're saying and I think that, you know, to be honest with you, that's a skill that one um, most bookkeepers, once, once they grasp that, can really benefit from that. And two, I, th- I think there's many accountants out there who they wouldn't take that as uh, an admonishment of them. It's just a fact. That's that it's a great relationship when an accountant, bookkeeper and client can work together. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I often think an accountant should even do a little bit of bookkeeping or start with bookkeeping so yes. that they get the understanding. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. 100% agree. Mm. So... At that point, you'd obviously decided that uh, bookkeeping was was that comfort, you know, or that that you felt really, you know, comfortable with with moving to that. So, what happened next? What was the next phase for Haley Carms? Well, next phase, getting the degree, getting that experience, just doing accounting administration type jobs or account assistant jobs. I decided to go out on my own. Yep. So, um, I. Someone who I was already working with, I put it to them. I said, do you mind being my first client as a bookkeeper so I can build my business? And they were happy with that. So we transitioned to that. I had three young kids as well at the time then. So um, it was just perfect um, having a young family and being able to have that flexibility of having my own business at home. So, so, so I'll just cycle back a bit. So I'm, I'm probably a, a remiss here. I've jumped forward a little bit too much. By this time you're married, obviously, with, and I've noted partner's name Ian. Is that correct? That's it. Yes, that's him. <laughs> so when, when did that all happen and was there, a, you know, sort of a, a sweeping romance or was it just uh, uh, two, two, two old school friends, you know, connecting up or how did it work? Oh, that was a sweeping romance. We actually met at Touch Football. We both oh, played Touch very Football. very romantic, yeah. Um, very romantic. You fell yeah. in love with my white shorts, yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we met through sport. Um yeah, three after three years we got married, moved in together, um, had kids a few years after that, and now we've got three beautiful kids together. And a, and a 20th anniversary that's just gone by, by the yes. just from yes. a little bit of inside knowledge, celebrated in Fiji of all places. Yes, I was lucky enough to have a week away, just the two of us in Fiji last week. Kid beautiful. Fantastic. Mag- magnificent. So mm-hmm. married, three kids. Yep. That's a lot in a short period of time for yep. any woman to have to undertake running a, running a home but also now running a business. So mm-hmm. explain to me because as a man I've got no concept of <laughs> how did you do that or how, how did you manage that? Oh, how did I manage it? Well, I was working 
So work from home, which is great. That's the good thing about bookkeeping these days is a lot of it is online. So I was yeah. able to do a lot online. Um, I was able, having my own business. I could control my hours. So I would only, if I had to go to clients, I would just go during school hours and then just make sure that I was there for the kids in the morning and the afternoon. Um, so that was the great flexibility about yeah, having their own business. So again, can I pick up on that point? Because I, I know there's so many listening in right now who are perhaps not as advanced down the line that you are now and have, have traversed a lot of those challenges to a degree. I'm sure they're still challenging you right now, although we'll get into the current or the present soon. The How, how did you manage clients to be able to say, you know, I can see you up till, what, half past two and then after that I can't see you. Were, were they just conversations you had and were your clients accommodating and understanding of that? Did you have to, you know, fight it to, to a degree with some clients who didn't understand that? Yeah, look, I, I don't think so. I, thought, I think it's all about communication and being honest up front. Like, um, oh, look, I say that I would you know, only work school hours or, you know, 9.30 to, to 2.30, but as you all know with your own businesses, I would often work at night when the kids went to bed yeah. and, you know, I, I would take those phone calls on the weekend and things like that. So my clients never felt like they were missing out, that I wasn't giving them enough time. So I was always on hand for them. Um, so that that I've learned later on in life that you sort of have to control that and manage that definitely to get that work-life balance. But at the time to build up the business and because to fit in with family life, um, that's what you do. You just got to make sure the client, communicate with the client and let them know that you are there for them all the time to do that. Did you have any who pushed back on that? Did you have any or any clients that you had to draw some lines in the sand and say, look, you're clearly not, you know, hearing my communications or in your case, did you form up a model that kind of mitigated that, you know, allowed you to be confident that all of your clients understood that and there was no blurring the lines there? Yeah, I think um, I was pretty strong that, yeah, the client had to fit in with my with my business model per se. So they had to fit in with me. And most of my clients do. These days, most of the clients have, have families. They're running their own business, so they do understand your situation as well. Um, and those clients that didn't fit in, we worked out pretty quickly that we weren't a fit and that's what you just say to them. Like, Our business models don't fit, so maybe you should find someone else. Great tip and I think the, the mm. key word you used there was you were fairly firm or strong um, to make sure that your clients you know, understood what your situation was. And and then, like you've explained, I've, I've had similar circumstances in my own time, uh, especially when I had some health issues and stuff like that. Um, clients, once they understand and are properly communicated, then they will give you some leeway, I guess, or scope. They'll they'll understand when they ring and they don't get you. They'll 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 get it. Uh, that's my experience. So it's, it's really interesting yeah. to hear your view on that. Yeah, and I think um, as you know, as a bookkeeper, you tend to become more than a bookkeeper with your clients. Yeah. Don't you? you nearly become a counsellor in some ways or you, you end up knowing all about their life really and their movements and everything. I think so you develop that relationship and so once you've got that, it's you, you can be, they can be flexible and you can have a really good relationship with your clients. I really hope some, you know, some politicians and some government people are listening in on this, this particular <laughs> episode because that, that's the story I try and explain to them when I go to forums and it may even also, you know, extend out to... Um, organisations like the Australian Tax Office or Fair Work, we are 
we're unique. The bookkeeping world is unique. We suddenly become, you know, sometimes best man at a wedding, you know, of a client or <laughs> we might be at the bar mitzvah or whatever. I don't know. I don't even know what a bar mitzvah is, so I don't know why I said that. But um, <laughs> it's it's more than a... It's it's more than just a, a bookkeeper client relationship. It's it quite mm. often extends that, and that's where those lines can blur. And we sometimes have experience where they can can tip over the other way and go the wrong way. Mm. Um, and and in a, in a touch of irony, we did sort of speak on that on our recent summit. Um, you know, bookkeepers dealing with businesses in financial trouble. Um, you know, I spoke a little bit about knowing where to draw the line in the sand. So it's, it's really interesting to hear that's the experience that you had to kind of create the, almost the, the biosphere of Hayley Carnes as a bookkeeper and how it will work and you managed to do that. So the, the, the journey of you as a sole trader bookkeeper, is that, well, I already know the answer to this, but is, is how far did that go or what point did that sort of tip over perhaps? Yeah, so I, as the kids got older, of course, you could take on more clients and as yourself become more confident and can manage that whole, your own business. Um, I did, I got to a point where I was at full capacity. I couldn't physically do any more work. Um, I was working pretty much full time in my business, still had the family. I even had a friend come in and, and help out with some data entry as well. Um, so it just got to the point where it's, um, I can't take any new clients on do I had to decide, do I want to grow this business? So I've obviously got a, um, a good business model and it's yeah. good at the job. So do I want to grow this or do I just want to keep on going on as a sole trader not take any more clients on and just keep on sort of plodding along, I guess. Um, so I took the next step and decided to grow. Okay, so again, I, I, I just know that there'll be plenty out there listening to your story right now who are probably at that point right now that point of do I make a next step or don't I? So was there any triggers or any things that, you know, you can remember that made you go, right, no, I've got to do this? Or was it a case of some things evolved and suddenly you found yourself there? Yeah, it was more evolving. So I actually ended up through a client and up of a client being a bookkeeper for a financial group. So I was a bookkeeper for a group of financial planners and accountants um, doing their bookkeeping just for their firm um, and they sort of liked what they saw and they actually came to me and said, are you interested? We're finding it really hard to get the fine quality bookkeepers. Would you be interested in doing something with us? Um, so they proposed a joint venture. We'll pick up on that in a moment because mm-hmm. part of your story that I know and, and sort of in the conversations we had in Sydney was around the, the challenges of the pandemic for you as a bookkeeper mm-hmm. and trying to, you know, and and I, and again, uh, I'm, I'm sure we're not unique, you and I, I had my challenges as well. I think all bookkeepers had challenges. But in your case, your husband lost his job or didn't have any work for a period of time. Is that correct? And yeah, that's correct. Do, yeah. Do, how did that work out? What, what, was, yes. what was that like? Well, so he was um, in the conference and events industry, so of mm. course that completely stopped. So there was there was no work there at all. Um, so in a way, being in bookkeeping, you know, as yourself, we were the total opposite. It just yeah. boomed for us. So yes, 
JobKeeper. <laughs> Two yeah, words, JobKeeper, um, or is that one word? I don't know. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's nightmares. Don't say yeah. that word. Um, <laughs> so, but I was sort of lucky enough. That was the time that I joined this new group. So it all happened at once. I joined right. this group, COVID hit. We had to deal with all the COVID-related, um, yeah, JobKeeper and everything. Um, but then, yeah, I also had the family personal life. So it was lucky that I was working and that my husband wasn't. He could do all the homeschooling. But then, as people know, there's a lot of other personal challenges with that. So, you know, the husband not feeling like he's the one, usually the provider per se, yeah, and I was yeah. only the only one providing, um, trying to work long hours when the kids are on the other side of the door, study door, doing their schoolwork or running around and being loud and crazy. Um, it was a, yeah, very hard balance. Um, and then just dealing with family finances and, you know, because the husband doesn't have work all of a sudden, so how do we mm. deal with all that? So it was mm. a, a very challenging time for the family, yeah. And, and Ian, back in, in events now, back he on is, the track? yeah. back on track. People are conference and eventing again, so he's back on track, which is good, yeah. To a, to a mega degree of, I'm hearing of um, organisations, professional associations who can't even get conference centres and stuff at the moment, it's gone that crazy. So I bet you he's working extremely hard again now. Um, What? How did you feel about moving from a a home-based sole trader-style bookkeeper to suddenly becoming part of something a lot bigger? Was that... Was that something you struggled with initially or did you find that that was an easy transition? Yeah, that's a struggle. I mean, and I probably still struggle a little bit today with it. And that was the main worry with my um, my partners as well that I was joining with is how I would move to working by myself, doing my own thing, to now being part of a, a corporation, really, a, a business that has procedures and certain things you had to do. Um, I then all of a sudden within a year had four employees I was looking after um, meetings. I always joke that we seem to be meeting all the time, yeah. time-waste meetings. Why do we do all these meetings? <laughs> um, so transitioning from, yeah, being working solo for so many years and then in, back into that corporate world, it, yeah, it's a, it's a hard transition, yeah. Um, and nearly learning to trust people again as well to do or delegate. Like if I don't have to do it all on my own. That's probably the, the hardest thing is, yeah. is learning how to delegate and manage all of that. So it's a bit of releasing things that for so long you had had to control yourself. Mm. Um, that's that that was a challenge. Challenge, yeah, big challenge. I I always prided myself on my bookkeeping being a certain standard. Um, so having to sort of let that go and trust someone else could do that as well, and and make sure that it was done um, at the same level um, was really hard. It's um, especially when. I, I take a lot of pride in my work. I'm yeah. not a complete control freak, I don't think, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I like to know what is going out under my name really. So um, that was really hard trusting other people to know that the quality of work going out to my clients would be the same. So when I, when I met you in Sydney, um, you were teamed up with a, a dynamic, what looked to be a bit of a dynamic duo, a, a lady called Joanne. Tell us about Joanne and, and the relationship now with Joanne. Yeah, so Joanne Wise, she's my new um, partner. Um, 
she came on board. We've been working together now for about six months. So again, I got to the point where I needed some help here. I have actually have four staff over in Cebu in the Philippines that help us out. A great team over there. Um, but I needed some help here as well, managing that and managing the work. So she's come on board and uh, we're working together and building up this bookkeeping business together. So the the outsourcing side of things, uh, mm-hmm. how did that how did that come about? I know a number of bookkeepers still right now around Australia are weighing up that whole do I outsource, don't I outsource? Do you want to give us some insights into how how that evolved and how you how you find that now? Yeah, oh, it's fantastic. So the company that I um, joined up with, um, Navwealth, um, they already were using staff overseas for their financial planning side of the business. So they suggested that I um, look into the bookkeeping as well. So I did. I just started with one, and so I built that up to a team of four. Um, it like fantastic because bookkeeping is a very structured job, so it's very easy to hand over to an overseas team. And yep. as long as you train, um, train them very well, set down all your procedures, everything that you want done. Um, and we meet, we meet every every day. For, it could be for just for five, 10 minutes, could be for an hour. But we make sure that we meet every morning and keep that communication going. Um, yep. it, it works really well. Yeah, I've got a fantastic team over there now. So give us a couple of, you know, I, I haven't gone down the route of outsourcing um, from my own practice at this stage. I'm not, haven't ruled it out, but certainly haven't got there yet. Give me some, in, give me and perhaps a uh, number of the listeners who are similar to, to my situation, some insights with the morning meetings. What is it um, the guys that you've outsourced to asking questions of you around things they don't understand or are not quite sure about? Is that how it works? Yeah, that's how it works. So what we do is we call it the daily wrap around. So we go around and say, what, what have you got on today? Um, and then we bring up any questions or queries that you might have in particular clients and work them out together. Yeah. And prior to that, when you, you when you engage with somebody from an outsourcing point of view, you know, is it a case of you spend some time unpacking their understanding of Australian bookkeeping conditions and things like the GST and PAYG? Is that, that how it unfolds? Yeah, definitely. We have a two to four week sort of training program that they have to go through. Right. Um, and they also shadow our other bookkeepers already over there. Um, so they must have their zero certification. So we are zero time, zero certification, payroll certification. Um, and then, yeah, learn about um, all the different GST rules and things like that before they can actually start working and taking on clients. So from the perspective, just I want to sort of tie up one one part of what we've just talked about, the challenges that you've, you felt through COVID and, you know, there's still plenty of arguments to say we're not completely out the other side of COVID. Um, mm-hmm. The move to, to partnering with Nav Wealth uh, the, mm-hmm. and becoming part of a big corporate, do you think that made it better for you or easier to be able to work with than it if you, you know, were still on your own and were still trying to work through where you were at in the midst of all of that in COVID? Definitely. It was it was challenging because of what we just mentioned before about yep. moving from sole trader to um, a business again with people, but having that support and the support of the whole accounting department there to keep up to date with things were changing every week. Yeah. So just yep. to have someone there to talk to and bounce ideas off and get um, communication out to clients and all of that side of things was it was 
probably invaluable. It's probably perfect timing joining up with them. And, and this is what I love about your story and this is what we talked about in Sydney is that so many of us have our, our ideals on how our practice is going to work out and then things come along that we don't expect like a pandemic and we uh, and I hate the word, we all used it, but we have to consider pivoting um, mm-hmm. as to, and what, what, what does that mean? In your case, it was a case of, look, the challenges that I'm now currently experiencing are becoming overwhelming and you found a fit that mightn't have been the ideal of what you were thinking, but mm-hmm. it's, it's turned into that is, is the way I'm reading it. Is that correct? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, so what turned into sort of like a 12-month a trial to see if it all sort of would work out is formed this great relationship and this great support network yeah. with, it, with all the team, yeah. Well, we're going to go into where you think the future's going. Part of the uh, focus of our recent um, summit was uh, the bookkeeper, the professional bookkeeper in 2023 and beyond. So we're going to, I'm going to sort of tap into your thoughts and with, as somebody who's had to go through a number of evolutions as a bookkeeper. Where do you see us going next? But before we do, I have a little thing that I do on the heart of the bookkeeper called the subsidiary ledger. So, you know, all of us that that did cert for and in your case, uh, further studies know that there's these little tangents we have to look at from time to time to make sure everything reconciles and adds up. So there's some aspects of your life that I'd like to just sort of unpack a little bit more and we're mm-hmm. going to examine that in in our subsidiary ledger. Just a couple of quick questions, just to uh, just to find out a little bit more about Haley Calms on mm-hmm. uh, on our show today. So, first question for you: Other than clearly, for most of us, in your case, um, marriage and having kids, what's a moment in your life that comes to mind that kind of is very was very impactful, or perhaps changed your thinking perhaps changed your direction a little bit you know it could be something simple like you know you went in and had your head shaved or uh you know (laughs) 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 I don't know it doesn't have to be anything too spectacular do you have a moment when you reflect on your life to date and it's still a young life by the way uh that that was very impactful for you something that happened gosh impactful tough tough question question yeah yeah. I wasn't prepared for these hard questions Was there, a, was there a teacher at school perhaps who, you know, gave you some guidance or even in more recent times, is there somebody who's perhaps come into your life and said something and you've gone, ah, yeah, that's given me clarity or has been impactful? Well, I think the biggest and, um, yeah, is probably joining the NavWealth team. So there was a couple of, um, I'd have to say Simon at NavWealth, he's been my biggest supporter and biggest um he was the one that really pushed for me to come in and, and, and join the team. Um, and Craig and the whole board of directors there, Dawn and Andrew, um, they have been the best support network and my best, uh, they've been so, I don't want to say supportive again, but um, they just really, really have um, encouraged me to, to really step up and grow the business and and step away from that sole trader into really giving me the confidence to, to do that, definitely. So I think, the, yeah, that's probably the biggest moment in my life is joining NavWealth. And, and I, I can I can sort of attest to that, you know, when I think about impactful things in my life, they are genuine 
quite often people that I reflect on that came into my life at a certain point and, and may not even be there or can't even hardly remember their, their second name perhaps, but they, they said something or they did something or they assisted me with something that just made, you know, things become a lot clearer and send me off in a direction that, you know, clearly I was um, benefiting from. Um, I've mentioned before about a an old accountant that I occasionally still see. I think uh, him and I are friends on Facebook. I don't think he's an active user of Facebook, but he just grabbed me when I was about 21, 22 and just took me aside and said, look, I think, you know, I'm observing where you're going and what you're doing, Rob, but do you really get the whole debits and credits thing? You know, it was as simple as that. And while I went round to his house, you know, we're talking, you know, 19, late 18, uh, late, late 1890s, late, <laughs> late 1980s here. And uh, yeah, I'm not that old. And, um, and he just for, you know, for a series of weeks just got out the old ledgers and just taught me even though I'd studied it, just how to really view debits and credits in a different way. And I, I, that, that, that changed so much of what I still do today. Um, so it's interesting how people, and they can come at any time. They can be when you're younger or a little bit older. Mm-hmm. And I, I just want to clarify for the listeners too, because I've just realised that nobody can see, you know, you and I can see each other. Hayley doesn't have her head shaved, by the way. Just so <laughs> I I'm just want to clear that up. <laughs> wonderful, head, wonderful head of hair there, yeah. <laughs> and uh, just wanted to clarify that one. All right, that was, uh, well, we're only at the first first part of the subsidiary ledger. We'll go on to our uh, second reconciliation item. Mm-hmm. Bit left of centre, favourite movie of all time. We're we're in a, a period of time when this goes to air where we've got a few pub annual holidays or pub, not annual holidays, public holidays, Easter, Anzacs. Uh, a few people are getting out some movies. Any recommendations? What's your favourite movie of all time? Favourite movie? Um, when I was younger, I loved The Power of One. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was big, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. Um, but otherwise, a family favorite. We like the Bond movies. So in okay. James Bond movies, we're pretty much yeah, yeah, okay. big fans. All right. Mm. So you would have been highly offended by Matthew Addison calling out that he's not a Bond movie fan at the recent summit, and that he was glad that uh, Daniel Craig had been killed off or something like that. <laughs> I'm sitting there going, mate. I think most of this audience are big fans of Daniel Craig, just quietly. Oh, but anyway, I think, so. I think yeah. he didn't pick his audience in that one. <laughs> no, he didn't pick it at all. Uh, despite your um, youth in our industry, do you remember your first car? What was your first car? First car? Um, yeah, it was a little Ford Festiva. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Think we had a, I think one of our recent guests might have toted out the Ford Festiva as one of their first cars. So yep. uh, you, you clearly still don't have it. Uh, no, no. Been through a few actually since then. <laughs> Sadly, because it's probably worth a mint now if you could have it in mint condition, just quietly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I often rue the day that I sold my Datsun 180B, but anyway, that was. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, that that was at the time. I couldn't wait to get rid of it to get into something better, but uh, not now. And you mentioned earlier, so I wanted to ask this this question. You may have already answered it, but um, mm-hmm. many of us as bookkeepers. Um, have have fallen into bookkeeping accidentally. Your story is a little bit different. You've you've sort of you did have that connection with your dad and your mum in particular. And you mentioned um, your time at school. What, what was your favourite subject at school? Was there a fave? You know, you couldn't wait for the bell to ring to go to that next uh, period with the with that subject. Yeah. Um, funnily enough, I loved commerce. 
and business okay. studies. Right, eh? Yeah, yep. yeah. I was, I think because I was good at those subjects, you said tend to, ward, to go towards those ones that you're stronger in. And I was always, I, yeah, I was always drawn to business studies in the last sort of year 11 and 12, definitely. Mm. And this one, this one's, uh, yeah, so that, does, that, that doesn't surprise me having now heard your story now. There's clearly a thread that's been in your life for a long time now and I can see that. Um, although I want to I want to go to a real Im- impactful part of something that I have learned about you and that is you write, rate, and I'm not sure how, um, and I'll, I want to make sure I get this right, Gemma, Jack and Will will take this, but you did make a note to me that your favourite child is actually your Border Collie. So yeah. I think, Hayley Carnes, I think that uh, Gemma, Jack and Will would like some explanation on that one. <laughs> I think they probably know. <laughs> yes, my little, my little Border Collie buddy. Well, he's not little, he's six years old now, but yes, he's definitely my favourite child. Who else gives you kisses and cuddles every time you walk in the door. My kids don't, but he always will. <laughs> so here's some news for you, Hayley. I also have a six-year-old Border Collie, or we do, uh, called Tilly. So uh, yes, um, I'm going to put the poll out there now. Now we're in a podcast, so you can't poll online, but I'm going to say if you're driving along in your car right now or you're listening to this while you're doing your books, put your hand up if you own a Border Collie and keep your hand up if you think they have to be the smartest dogs on the planet, surely. I am just, you know, yeah. I get get home, my border collie goes, and we live in a suburban area of, or just outside of Bunbury, so we're not mm-hmm. on a farm or anything, but she goes and rounds up the sheep for me every night. They just happen to be tennis balls. So she goes and they will hide about 10 tennis balls around the house or, you know, maybe yeah. a few less than that, and I'll just say to her, go and round the sheep up, go on, and she, off she'll go, and she'll just bring them all in for me and just put them at my feet. So... Uh, <laughs> I just think they're amazing dogs. Our, yeah. our, our Border Collie is our second Border Collie and, uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan. So when you wrote that, you were right in my hitting zone, absolutely. So, <laughs> And and before we just move to the, the last part, which I do want to sort of tap into your thoughts around the where you see yourself going and where bookkeeping is, is headed, mm-hmm. um, you also have clearly an affiliation with the ocean, um, the fact that you've pretty much lived there all your life. Or what, what is it about the ocean that keeps draw, drawing you back? Oh, I don't know. It's just that that feeling, that smell and just, just watching it, it's, it changes every day. It's just It just is refreshing, um, just revitalises you. So I don't think I could ever live away from it. I'd have to be near it wherever I am, definitely. And extending that out, you, you mentioned you met uh, your, your husband at Touch Football. Is Touch Football mm-hmm. still a part of your life? Do you guys uh, maybe, you know, as a family go to Touch Football or is that how we it works? We do, yes, yes. So all five of us play Touch Football. Um, really? All five? Wow. Five, that's that's yes. special. The, yeah. the youngest one can't play with us yet, but the other four, um, the two older kids, Jim and Jack and my husband, we all played in a mixed team together. Um, It's a big family affair, Um, yeah, a bit of passion. So Ian used to be the president of our local touch football association here. So it's, um, uh, and I've always been involved. My dad played touch football, so he's the one that originally got us into it. So it's been a lifetime sort of sport Um, and it's great. Great friendships, great great social network. It's, yeah, yeah, definitely we love it. And the Border Collie, 
Does the Border Collie get to go to touch football on a Saturday? Border or does, yes, and he has learnt to stay off the field. He doesn't chase <laughs> the balls anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he, but he does go a bit crazy. He just run up and down the sideline if, you, if you're there. So, um, yeah, yeah. As they do, yes. Yeah. They seem to have a very, very strong connection with balls, as I mentioned before. <laughs> uh, mine clearly has become a little bit confused and confused them with sheep. But anyway, that, <laughs> that's what we love about Border Collies. So so finally, and uh, it's always sad for me to have to bring an episode of Heart of the Bookkeeper to, to an end because I just, I just soak in and I hope the listeners who've heard your story today, Hayley, are understanding, um, you know, how, how they can be inspired by what you've done. And I'm sure you don't see it that way, that it's inspirational, but it, it, it's a story that will resonate with many. Where do you see Hayley Calms and bookkeeping going into the future in the next 12 months? Do you see yourself doing it to the, the very end? How do you see it? Yeah, no, I see it doing it to the very end. We, um, we actually have a 10-year plan at work. Um, we want to take it, take it all through till we retire. So, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, we've definitely got a big, big plans for the business. Grow it. And you heard, you know, obviously um, not everybody listening in, uh, attended our annual summit over the last month, but you clearly did. Um, some of the challenges that we spoke about at summit, do you, do you, did you, did that resonate with you? You know, we talked about things like the rise of artificial intelligence and obviously the current climate of small businesses really, you know, finding things tough and bookkeepers having to deal with that. Um, we also talked about the importance of maintaining the bookkeeping community, industry, whatever word you want to use in 2023 and beyond by perhaps doing a lot more mentoring and a lot more association with experienced bookkeepers working with new bookkeepers in the market. Were there things that resonated with you about that? Yeah, definitely. I think um, we can work with all of that. I think we can use the artificial intelligence to our advantage and use it within our within our businesses to actually grow and be more efficient and take on more clients. Um, I really think if we push that whole professional bookkeeper um, image and industry um, into small businesses and the business world so they know the difference between a bookkeeper and professional bookkeeper, I think that's really important. Um, and I think we talked about as well training up young bookkeepers yeah. and taking yeah. on apprentices and, tra- and and getting them involved early. I think that's really important as well. And that really resonated with me um, in the summit this year is um, perhaps getting on some, some new trainees and building up our industry. Yep, yep. Yeah. We, we, I think that that is universal, that, you know, we can't maintain our average age being 50. 455, whatever our statistics show, that we do need to continue to bring um, new bookkeepers into the space. And the good news is, as we called out at Summit, that um, the biggest growth we've had in our membership numbers have been in student numbers of recent times. So I think I think we're not as far away from that as we think we can, but the issue is those students coming out, where, where do they go? Who, how do they get the experience? It's the age-old problem. You can't be an experienced bookkeeper until you get some experience. So I think that was part of the discussion that resonated with nearly everybody who was there. In fact, I think just about everybody who was there at those events and also within our online event as well. Do you think, um, this, this is my last probably 
tough a question, but do you think from your observations, the partners that you have become involved with, the financial services guys at NavWells, do you think they have a new, uh, there's the Border Collie there's on the border here? Collie, yeah, sorry. beautiful. No, that's good. No, that's good. It shows, shows that we're live uh, podcasting here. Um, when you when you think about it now, do you think the partners at NavWealth have gained a fresh understanding of bookkeepers because of you and what you're doing and Joanne coming in? Is, is there some revelation there, do you think? Definitely, yeah. Um, a lot of the people within the group had no idea what a bookkeeper does. It's, you know, that old, that old age image of a bookkeeper, you know, like sitting in the corner just punching yeah. out the numbers, the data entry. Yeah. So that's been one of the benefits of joining that group is educating the financial planners and the accountants within the group, what a bookkeeper actually does and how we can benefit everybody and how we can work together um, to provide a full service for our clients, definitely. And Hayley, that's very much the part of the story that really fascinated me is that I think we all need to acknowledge that we we have been, as as Matthew Addison called out during his keynote at Summit, we, we are still to a degree, many of us pigeonholed as that person who sits in the corner on a crate, as he called it, and, you know, somebody flicks us some coins from time to time and a bunch of receipts. Um, you're kind of blazing, you're not kind of, you are blazing a trail to a degree of educating those within our space, financial services, as to what a professional bookkeeper really is. So that's why I wanted to capture your story, I wanted to capture your story mm-hmm. for all the reasons what we've just heard, but I think that's something that perhaps you, you, you on reflection, you may realise that you are playing a, a huge role in doing that and educating um, those around you. So congratulations, well done. It was obviously a tough thing and, you, and your, your journey through COVID was clearly tough. It's still a journey, still a long journey. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So to finish off with, um, I wanted to thank you for joining us today on Heart of the Bookkeeper. Um, Is there anything on reflection that you wanted to to share with us before we close up for for this particular episode? I'm really keen on, um, you know, ensuring that the whole bookkeeping industry and the professional, putting ourselves out there as professional bookkeepers and growing it and working with the whole, as you say, creating a whole financial team for us all to be working together with the accountants, with the financial planners. And, and you know, we're up at that level as well where we are professional, same as an accountant and same as a financial planner. And I would love to see that, but with it, by the end of my time in the industry is that we're recognised as that. That would be fantastic. And I'm going to say you're already start, you're already doing that because I'll also call out, I think I mentioned it at, in the preamble, you are involved in another podcast. I've had a listen. It's a great podcast. Do you want to do a little plug before we finish up? I could, yeah, yeah. So we've got a, um, a podcast, Nav Talk. Um, so we've got lots of different topics on there from our whole NavWorth team. Um, so please go and, go and have a listen. Um, if you're, you know, structuring a business to financial planning advice, superannuation advice, there's a whole lot of stories on there. And, and that's what I enjoyed. I went and had a listen. It's mm-hmm. not it's not a, a salesy type podcast. It's just mm-hmm. talking through all of the, the, the current environment around us and how best to try and leverage the best thing for you and your own personal finances and and also for business advice as well. There's some really good stuff on there. Um, so I'd encourage you. So it's called Nav Talk. Nav Is that Talk. Right? Yes, Nav Talk, Talk. Yep. Yeah. Apple Podcasts and yeah, Spotify um, and Spotify and everything. Yep. Or through our website, you can access it as well. So yeah. do a do a search on Nav Talk, and I'm sure it will come up. So mm-hmm. uh, you can continue to hear from uh, Haley from time to time. So. 
Hayley, thank you for joining us again on Heart of the Bookkeeper today. I hope you've um, enjoyed our time together and, uh, again, want to thank you for today. No, thank you. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Cheers, Hayley. Cheers. Thank you. Hayley, yours has been a great journey to capture and hear and we wish you all the very best as you continue a pathway that you have so carefully crafted and yet boldly created for yourself. We celebrate bookkeepers like you, Hayley, and what you are doing to make the professional bookkeeper brand and awareness of that that little bit stronger every day. Here's cheers to you, Hayley. And here's cheers to you also, our Heart of the Bookkeeper listeners. Thank you for tuning in again on this episode and we look forward to you repeating the effort again in our next episode, episode 24, that is coming up soon. And as always... We love your heart.